Let's foray into Nevada's wild spaces. This is a half an hour adventure with the Nevada Department of Wildlife. This is Nevada Wild. Here on this Welcome to Nevada Wild, brought to you by the Nevada Department of Wildlife. I'm Ashley Sanchez on Zoom with co-host Erin Keller, and today we are joined by Alicia Jensen with BLM. It's National Public Lands Day. It's also National Hunting and Fishing Day. We have all sorts of things going on, so we thought you'd be an awesome person to bring on since you have a National Public Lands Day event happening. So, Alicia, let's just start with the fact that you are an archaeologist. So let's get into your background first. And um, you were telling us how you prepared for this podcast. You had to write a bunch of notes about history. Okay. Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm an archaeologist at the Sierra Front Field Office in the Carson City District for the BLM. And I've been working here since September 2014, so about eight years. And I have done archeology span around the United States. I started with the BLM as an intern in Wyoming, but I have a lot of my background in education in the South because I'm from Texas. Um, I did my bachelor's at the University of Alabama at Tuscaloosa. And then I did a master's in applied anthropology at um, the University of South Florida in Tampa. And so I've always really been interested in that applied aspect of anthropology and public archaeology, um, which is centered on the community and involving the public um, and also tribes. And a lot of my job is um, working under the National Historic Preservation Act and making sure that the projects that come to BLM or BLM projects comply with that law and other laws. So I had to be really familiar with cultural resources laws, um, but I also do outreach uh, to the public in public speaking um, to schools and um, through the Nevada Site Stewardship Program, um, conferences and that kind of thing. And, um, and this annual event for National Public Lands Day is focused on a segment of the California Historic Trail. So there is a connection to archeology span with this event. And so that's why I'm the project lead for this event. Yeah, go ahead. Like, uh, like your background is perfect for your position. The way that I did a little bit of Google searching on some of the, the areas that have events and man, your your background and where you came from and your degrees are perfect for that position. Thanks. Yeah, it's been fun to work in different parts of the country and um, learn about different culture areas and meet the different people that are interested in, in the things that I study, you know? Um, so for example, with the Fernley Swales, there are a lot of local community groups that care about the Fernley Swales. Um, the biggest one is um, called OCTA, the Oregon California Trails Association. And I work really closely with them and they are just incredibly passionate about this historic resource. 
Um, but uh, there's also other partners that we work with for this cleanup that I can talk about later if you want. Yeah, so how, um, how did you, did you always want to work for a land management agency or, um, you know, kind of how did you, how did you get, find the BLM or this position you're in now? Um, so a long time ago, I wanted to be an archaeology professor, and I was actually studying Mesoamerican archaeology, which is the archaeology of, you know, Central America and in Latin America. Um, so I studied, you know, ancient Maya civilization. That was kind of my focus. And I did do excavation and excavation in Mexico, just one. Um, but I... I guess public service always appealed to me also. And um, I like the idea of staying in the United States and helping preserve our resources because the United States has so many amazing archeological and historical resources. And a lot of people actually don't know about that because they think archeology span only happens in Egypt or Mesoamerica. Like, um, where I was originally studying, but there's a lot of important history in the U.S. that's worth studying and preserving, and um, so I, yeah, I enjoy that part of it, and staying in the U.S. and having a, not having to go through a whole PhD process, which is really long and doesn't really make you a lot of money, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. And especially in, in our area, there's a lot of history that if you didn't, you know, stop and read the signs or the interpretive panels that some of it is just gone, it's not even there, right? And so um, I think it's pretty interesting. I've been taking my, my sons to different um, spots around the state to show them that let them know that it's not always looked like this or that there was mining towns or there were, you know, the California Trail, the Oregon California Trail was, you know, came through here and kind of teach them about that. So I think it's very important. So it's, yeah, it's good to have people like you that have a, an interest in the historical side for sure. Oh, thanks. Yeah, and I didn't even know. So the cleanup event is specifically at Fernley Swales. I didn't even know the history of Fernley Swales or anything about it before. Obviously, I looked it up because we were having you on. But it sounds like such an interesting area with so much history. Um, could you tell us a little bit about it? Oh, yeah. Um, so like, prepared. yeah, I have a whole notebook here of just notes and um, because I've had to record segments of California Trail and a lot of California Trail segments cross through our district. Um, so the Fernley Swales are a part of the Truckee route of the California Trail. So the Truckee route kind of follows the Truckee River and it's, it's named after a Northern Paiute man um, named Truckee. Um, so um, it is a one mile segment of the Truckee route. Um, there's also a portion of the Central Pacific Railroad, which uh, is the first transcontinental railroad. It's like immediately adjacent to the swales. Um, so the Friendly Swales are kind of significant because 
they have swales, which a lot of people don't know what swales are. So I'm going to explain it. <laughs> don't worry. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, um, swales are the deep trenches that form in the sand from wagons going through the the sandy terrain out there because it, there's a bunch of soft sand dunes in this area and um, these are really unique features because a lot of um, California trail or historic trails in general don't have swales these are evidence of the wagons going through and you know there's other artifacts out there as well but they're named after the swales that the wagons made and um, so we're, the time period we're talking about here is really like the 1840s when the swales start to be in use. Um, and um, they generally stop traveling the friendly swales, the California Trail immigrants, um, when the railroad was established in 1868, because now you have the railroad people are gonna take that instead, you know? Um, and a lot of other changes are happening at that time too. So um, the important thing to notice is that not only are these swales intact here, um, but this part of the California Trail was extremely difficult to cross as an immigrant, if you're a California Trail immigrant, because it's within the 40 mile desert. So I don't know if, have you ever heard of the 40 mile desert? No. I have not. This is such a history lesson. I'm loving this. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so um, the a lot of, just in general, California Trail will follow rivers and go to water sources because that's how you survive you, um, the immigrants would have been traveling with livestock. Some of them were single men, but some of them had families um, also. So you really need to have water. And so a lot of the trail, for example, in Nevada, um, goes along the Humboldt River. Um, but when the Humboldt River kind of ends, that's where the 40 mile desert begins. And it's, it goes, that section of trail that's very difficult to cross um, goes until you get to either the Truckee River or the Carson River, depending on where you're headed, like as an immigrant. And um, there's just a lot of historical uh, documentation about this um, section. And it's, you know, being described as dotted with dead cattle and abandoned wagons because it's so dry and it's so hard to cross. And um, so this is very interesting archeologically and in history that um, not all segments of the trail were easy. I mean, I don't think most people think going on the California trail was easy, but there's definitely parts that were harder than others. And this is one of the parts that was harder than others to go through. Erin, uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> we're both all interested and want to talk at the same time. Um, yeah, I was explaining it to Ashley, the 40, that part of the swales was part of the 40 mile desert. And she's like, oh, so it's uh, you know, across the desert. And I said, yeah, some said it was, it was the hardest part of the trail to get through. She said, even harder than like what the Donner Party went through over the Sierras. And I said, 
yeah they actually there's no water there was nothing for that you know the donner party was was tragic but it was season it went they went through the season as it I was understand. a seasonal issue yeah Where's yeah the exactly the desert yes um and i don't know speaking of the donner party i don't know if you've ever been up to that area in donner lake um they have a really nice um interpretive center there that talks all about the donner party and it's super interesting for anybody who is curious about that story because it's tragic but also like very fascinating although like I'm obsessed. Not good to say that, but yeah. <laughs> no, I'm obsessed with it. I love all of this stuff. And yes, I love going up to Donner and that whole memorial there. Yeah, um, but but speaking of that area, like there's the Donner Lake. There are some water sources in contrast to the friendly area that doesn't have a lot of water. Um yeah, so. What else are you guys interested in? Oh yeah, no, I just wanted to make sure the the challenge with Zoom is sometimes we talk over each other. So sometimes there's pauses because I'm making sure that we're not talking over each other. But um, yeah, so it's a significant area and I want to get into the cleanup because that's why we're going to be having the cleanup, but we're going to take a quick break. We will be right back. You are listening to Nevada Wild. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, leave us a review on iTunes and SoundCloud. For more information on hunting, fishing, boating, and all things wildlife, go to endow.org. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Nevada Wild. Today we are talking with Alicia Jensen with BLM and we're talking about Nevada and National Public Lands Day and Alicia is actually running an event at the Fernley Swales which we got into the history of that site before the break. So now could we talk about the cleanup, what it is and how people could get involved? Yes, of course. Um, so the event that I'm running is the Fernley Swales National Public Lands Day cleanup. And the reason why we do this event is obviously because there's dumping out in this area. And um, dumping is detrimental to archaeological and historic sites um, for a lot of reasons. You know, um, sometimes um, you can have hazmat situations, which can be dangerous, but we don't deal with that on our cleanups because we don't. We want our volunteers to be safe. Um, but it's also it introduces visual intrusions, for example, that can be detrimental to the overall experience of being on the trail and the Central Pacific Railroad, which are the two historic sites out there, um, because. You know, there are some people that do reenact um, immigrant journeys, for example, along the uh, Carson route, um, Mormon descendants of uh, the original travelers along that trail do like to reenact um, going along the trail. But if there's trash everywhere, it, it's not, it's just sad environmentally, but also to your experience of that historic resource. So 
that's why we really want to clean up the Fernley swales and we we want people to not think of this area as a dumping ground because whenever people do see trash it tends to accumulate so we want to get rid of the trash so people don't continue to add to it um, and we do think the cleanups that have been happening annually for a long time, I think they are making a difference because you do see less trash out there. Um, but um, that's the main focus of this National Public Lands Day event. And we also wanna educate the public about the sites that are out there um, so that they're aware of why they're worth preserving in this area. And, um, so yeah, BLM has organized four dumpsters on site. So there are four 30 yard dumpsters and uh, we're gonna try to fill them all up. And um, we also are gonna have a porter potty and hand wash station out there. Um, and oh, the area that we're looking at is um, just north of Fernley. Um, along I-80, if you take exit 48. Um, so on that exit, there's also a really nice interpretive display about the California Trail and the Friendly Swales. So you can check that out before you, before or after you come volunteer. Um, the cleanup starts at nine and it ends around noon and you will have to sign in um, to begin volunteering. Um, there's a truck stop at that exit. Um, it used to be called Terrible's Truck Stop, but I think it's called Flying Jays now. So whenever you see that truck stop, you know you're in the right place, <laughs> but you got to keep going north a little bit and you'll see um, uh, easy ups where we have our tables set up for people to sign in and get their trash bags and whatever gear that they're going to need for the day. Alicia, I love this podcast because we were like, okay, she's having an event. We'll have her on talk about the event, but I feel like it's taken so many turns. Like we had a history lesson and then you brought up the importance of not dumping on these different sites and how that's an issue. Um, when I picture dumping, I just picture trash everywhere. How many volunteers, because you said this event has made a difference year after year, how many volunteers typically show up and if you don't have that information that's okay i just picture it taking such a group of people so is it usually a pretty good turnout um yeah it really depends um year by year but you can have anywhere from like 20 to 40. i don't remember the most that we've ever had um but hopefully we'll have a good turnout this year and i always have some of my coworkers come help which is really nice um and uh, oh, I should talk about the partners because they're they're the most important, I feel like, in getting volunteers to come. So I already talked about OCTA, um, the Oregon California Trails Association, but we also partner with the Fernley Rotary Club and the Fernley Chapter of Desert Pigs. Um, and um, well, these organizations are really important in getting the word out uh, to their members and to the general public. Um, 
We also partner with OCC Waste Services, which is where we um, get our dumpsters from, but they also have donated two dumpsters this year and they've donated dumpsters before. And um, we're just really grateful that they do that because it helps us collect more trash. And so um, between our partners and our social media pages, because we have a Facebook group and Instagram and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I think we we try to get the word out that way and we'll probably be doing a press release about the event too if we haven't already by the time this podcast airs. Um, so that's really how we get volunteers and if we can get 30 to 40 people I feel like that's a good turnout because um, we can actually get a lot done with just that amount of people. Um, it's really impressive because um, there's a lot of motivated public members out there who don't like to see dumping either. So yeah, that's what I would say about that. Are, are you familiar with Desert Pigs? Because they're an OHV group out there and, and uh, they've been helping a lot. Yeah, I was going to say the same with Ashley, that like the picture when you say picking up trash, like, you know, small trash and things like that. But then when you say four 30 yard dumpsters that's a lot of dumping and uh but yeah it even makes this event or this um volunteer opportunity even more significant i think yeah so i wanted to talk about that because like in previous years we've found tires out there um you can find like couches and things like that and like loves you know armchairs out there that some of the trash is big and landscaping debris out there. Um, landscaping debris is really hard to um, pick up because it's it's not just bulky, but it's loose. Like um, uh, the Octa partner I talked to said that there's a lot of like loose gravel out there. And um, so we're gonna get, um, a tractor out there to help um, pick up all that loose stuff that's just really hard to pick up by hand. Um, so yeah, you get a good variety out there, plus your your stuff that you probably expect like cans and and regular trash that, uh, yeah. Yeah, I know, I'm glad you filled us in on that because I was curious the type of things people dump out there. So it's just kind of all over, sometimes huge things. So. Really, um, like you said, the help is needed. Do people need to register to join this event or could they just show up? Um, they don't need to register, um, but we do need everybody to sign in uh, the paper sign-in sheets that we will have at the event. Perfect. And then um, this is really, I don't think we ever explained it, but National Public Lands Day, it's the largest single day volunteer opportunity across the nation. So this is one of many events. So I feel like just talking to you, people should understand the importance of getting out there, preserving these different sites. And what is the website? Your event is on a website and that website actually has a ton of events and you could view a map to find an event in your area in case people can't make it to this specific event or they live in another part of the state. What is that website? Oh yeah, um, it's, neefusa.org, which is spelled N-E-E-F 
usa.org. And yeah, it has an interactive map that shows all the National Public Lands Day events that are happening across the entire country. So wherever you are located, you hopefully can find an event that's not too far from you to um, participate in if you care about um, protecting our public lands. And there's all different kinds. They're not all cleanups. Um, one of my coworkers does um, seed collection events to collect native seed to um, uh, help with rehabilitation of the land after fires and stuff like that. Um, there And we have some recreation specific events, um, like the one that Paul's doing at my office uh, at Sand Mountain. Um, so sometimes it's installing signs. It's not always cleaning up. That's just my point there is that there's a big variety in what the events can be. Exactly. I know. And we almost had, Paul was trying to join us too, um, but we couldn't get it scheduled right. Um, but you ended up giving us so much great information that you got us almost through the entire 12 minutes. <laughs> so, um, but I did just want to say, so yeah, head to BLM Nevada, their Facebook. We've been sharing posts throughout the week. They also have a ton of events. Also, Paul's event um, is posted there as well. And then also keep in mind, it's also Nevada Public Lands Day. So there's no fees at state parks. And it happens to be National Hunting and Fishing Day. So at the very least, if you're not helping with any of these volunteer events, we encourage you to get outside, go hunting, go fishing, buy your fishing license at endow.org. That's one of the best ways you could get back for conservation. So lots happening this weekend. It all happens at once, but um, I would definitely encourage people to head to that website that Alicia named, check out the events and get involved. Thank you, Alicia, so much for being here. Oh, and you're welcome. Uh, I also, I wanted to add one more thing. Is oh, definitely. <laughs> you, you got it. I forgot to mention uh, for the volunteers, um, we do have fee-free passes available that we will give to you so that you can go to a, a park for free. Um, and we have some t-shirts. Um, it's hard to get the t-shirts though, so I don't know if I have enough for everybody, but we like to give out free t-shirts and those um, passes to parks so that you know, you're being rewarded for coming and helping. And I also ordered some donuts. Awesome. It's <laughs> a small yeah, thing. Donuts. Yeah. yeah. It's those <laughs> things that count. People love that. So yeah, I'm glad you added that. And hopefully um, we also help spread the word with this podcast. Thank you for taking time out of your busy day. I know you're planning this event. So we appreciate you being here. It was great meeting you, Alicia. Thanks. It was nice meeting you too. Of course. And that does it for this week's Nevada Wild. Thank you everyone for listening. again next week for our next adventure, Nevada Wild. It's a production of the Nevada Department of Wildlife.